Good morning, church family. Our scripture reading today comes from John chapter 1, verses 10 through 13. It'll be up on the screen. And if you want to follow along in the Pew Bible, it's found on page 886, 886. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who received, did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were not born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Praise the Lord for the reading of his word. All right, good morning, everybody. John chapter 1 in your Bibles, hopefully you're there. We are in our Advent series called The Word Became Flesh. The Word, we've learned, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we could, we could have very easily entitled this, um, God Became Flesh. Not just the Word became flesh, but God became flesh. And so that is the great truth of Christmas time, isn't it? That's the great truth. That is the true meaning of Christmas, <laughs> that God came to us. If you go, if you go out Christmas um, shopping or whatever, all the Christmas things for sale, like in Hobby Lobby or Michael's or Target or whatever, um, you see a lot of these signs that'll say, believe or hope, or my favorite, joy, <laughs> right? Everybody gives us all these joy things. I have so many joy things in my house. And there's, there is a problem. There is a problem. They don't, they don't say believe what? Hope in what? It's just, it's just a sign that you hang up in your house that says, hope. Okay. <laughs> hope for what? Believe for what? It becomes belief in belief. Hope in hope. Joy for the sake of joy. But what we know is that that doesn't sustain us. That's kind of like this present I had a couple weeks ago. Do you remember this was my prop a couple weeks ago when I preached? And I, I told you there's nothing in this box, Right? So that's kind of like a sign that says, believe, here, have a present. And then you open it up and you say, well, there's nothing there. Yeah, that's what, that's what the sign that just says, believe. Or the Josh Groban song, just believe. If you just believe, I can't sing like Josh Groban, it's not happening. John read in, in, in John chapter 1, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. And so our sermon today is called Believing and Receiving. So what if I told you that in this box, there's a gift, a valuable gift. You'd have to do two things for it to change your life. You'd have to believe. You'd have to, you'd have to look at the guy who's talking and you'd have to say, can I trust that guy? 
Would Brady lie to us? Would he wrap up a present with nothing in it just for show and then say there's something inside? Would he do that? Or is he, has he proven himself to be, over the last, you know, 15 years or so, a pretty trustworthy guy, right, of decent character and goodwill? You'd have to believe. You'd have to believe that I'm telling the truth about this present, right? And then, and then the second thing you'd have to do is you'd have to receive it. You'd have to say, I could use a Target gift card worth a lot of money. That's what's in the box. I could use that. I'm in need of that. And since I trust Brady that he's not a liar, I will receive it. <laughs> Praise God! You see, it's that simple. It's that simple. Do, do you believe the person offering the gift is true, that they have no reason for malice or no reason to hurt you or trick you, that when Jesus stands up and says, hey, I'm life, that he's not, like Andrew said, he's not a crazy guy, he's not a liar or a lunatic, as C.S. Lewis put it, but that maybe he is actually telling the truth. And when, he's, when, he's, when he reaches out his hand and says, take it, all you got to do is say, hey, I could use that. I need that. And walk up and take it. And then hopefully share it with others. <laughs> hey, man, there's two video games worth a gift card in there. I'm, I know what I'm doing. Three lessons today. Lesson one. We have to first reject the self-salvation of the world. First, we have to reject the self-salvation of the world. John introduces this word world to us in verse 10. He was in the world. The Word, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. This word world, cosmos, John uses it 78 times in this book. It's a big deal. Later in the book, he's going to say that Satan is the ruler of the world. For John, the world is anything that is opposed to God and God's plan and God's grace and God's goodness. For us, for our understanding, the world is self-salvation. It's a hostility to grace. It's a, it's a pride that says, I can do it on my own. I don't need the gift card. I don't need the life. I don't need the light. I don't need salvation. I don't need my sins dealt with. I can, I can get there on my own. Every other religion besides gospel Christianity, every other religion is part of the world's system because they stand in opposition to grace. They ask you to do something, to perform something, an eightfold path, five pillars, ten commandments, whatever it might be that they're at, whatever ladder they're asking you to climb, 
that stands against God's redemption by grace alone through faith alone. It's the world. And yet God loves the world, doesn't he? John 3.16. He loves the world so much that he'd offer us solution. You say, well, Brady, I'm not hostile to grace. I hope not. I really do. I hope not. But listen, you live in a world that is hostile to grace. Is there grace in any sphere of your life? Students. All the students out there listening to me. Did your teacher ever just say, hey, I'm handing out free A pluses in this class? That's pretty rare, isn't it? (laughs) I never had a teacher do that. In all of my school career, I had to earn every C plus I got. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) Testify, right? Hey, C's get degrees. but not scholarships. Ah! All right, Megan, you and I got to have to talk after. Hey, what about at work? Is there a lot of grace at your workplace? Have you ever been promoted for doing nothing? Maybe just to get you out of the office, right? What about in sports? What about in music performance? What about in the church? Out. You you are surrounded by opposition to grace. Everything around you says perform, work hard, achieve it, accomplish it, earn it, do it. Even Christmas, even Santa keeps a list. And so that's what we're bombarded with. That's what we're bombarded with every single day, this concept of we have to earn it. I have to save myself. And it manifests itself. We become the center of our own kingdom, don't we? We, we, Our agenda is what we wake up thinking about. What do I got to do today? What do I got to get done? What's my to-do list? And why? Why that to-do list? Well, so that I'm successful, so that I look good, so that I throw the perfect party or get every, you know, uh, uh, show off for my boss or keep peace in my house. If I do what my wife says, at least we'll have a little peace in the house. So we live for self, don't we? How do you know that you are trusting self-salvation and rejecting grace? A couple questions. What causes you to get angry or frustrated? Do you need people to agree with you all the time? Do you need to be in control of everything? Are you frustrated when there's any kind of obstacle in your path? Does that throw you off? What about criticism? How do you deal with criticism? Your answers to these questions can reveal that you you aren't trusting in grace. You don't live in a grace-filled world. What makes you feel good about yourself? What gives you value and meaning? Is it your performance? Is it your bonus? Is it your good grades? Is it your team is winning? Is it you're better than the other person? I work harder around the house than my husband does. Therefore, I am a better person than he is. 
And of course, is your character changing? How do you know that you're graceless, that you're just trying to save yourself? Well, what, what's your character like? Are you, are you critical? Are you merciless? Are you, or, or are you gentle, faithful, forgiving? Which of these describes you? Are you rejecting Jesus this morning? Are you rejecting his grace? And listen, let me just, let me just say this. There's lots of ways to reject There's lots of ways to accept Jesus while rejecting the true Jesus. There's lots of versions of Jesus. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or, sorry, my, my system here is locking up. Or if you received a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. A different Jesus? There's different Jesuses? Yes. There's different versions of Jesus. Like, for example, you can accept, you can accept teacher Jesus without accepting Savior Jesus. You can accept prosperity Jesus, the the Jesus who just wants your life to be good and easy, and and in doing that, you're rejecting Savior Jesus. You can accept principles Jesus. Well, as long as I just follow Jesus' principles, I'll have a good life. And, And that might be a rejection of Savior Jesus. Therapy Jesus. Jesus makes me feel good about my life. He's my higher power. He's helped me overcome all my addictions. Okay, but has he saved you from your sin? Justice, Jesus. Jesus teaches us to fight for justice. Change systems, change governments, change society. Okay. But are you trusting in him and his death on the cross for your personal sins? American Jesus. Jesus is building his kingdom through America. So I'm constantly merging those two concepts together. Existential Jesus. Jesus just wants me to have a really super cool experience of God, man. Okay. Jesus calling, right? Light some candles. Let's all just listen to Jesus. Okay. But here's the problem with all those Jesuses. None of those Jesuses have to die on a cross. None of those Jesuses are offensive. Ain't nobody putting therapy Jesus on a cross. Nobody's putting good teacher Jesus on a cross. Nobody's putting good vibes Jesus on a cross. You put a Jesus, you put Jesus on the cross when he looks at you and says, You're a sinner. You're a sinner, and you need me. You're in darkness, and I'm light. 
And everything you've done to get out of darkness on your own has been a miserable dumpster fire. And you're never going to do it. That's a Jesus you kill. So my question is, are you worshiping a Jesus that's worth crucifying? Number two, we have to believe in the name of Jesus. Believe in the name of Jesus. So what's God's response to the darkness? What's God's response to a world that didn't know Him and didn't accept Him? He, he came to the world. He came to His own, verse 11, and they didn't receive Him. He came, it literally says He came to His own house. He came to His own home, and His own people or His own family did not receive Him. What do we do with that What does God do with that? What does God do with a humanity that can't escape darkness and rejects Jesus? What does He do? Does He institute a new program? Okay, new program, new idea, new institutions, a new nation, a new government. What does God do in that situation? A new idea, a new concept? No, He inserts Himself. He inserts himself. Believe in his name. Verse 12, all who did receive him who believed in his name. That gets lost on us a little bit because we we don't even know what our names mean. Brady means broad island. I have no idea what that is. I don't know. I don't know what that means. And I don't live up to that. (laughs) I'm going to be the best broad island I can be. Okay. But in the Old Testament, in antiquity, and some of you come from cultures where names are everything, aren't they? Names are everything. This harkens back to Exodus 3 when Moses is at the burning bush and God is talking and that big voice, and I don't know, in the movies it's always a big voice, and God says, go to Pharaoh. And Moses says, no, I'm not going till you tell me your name. Who, I need to be able to say who's sending me. And there in Exodus 3, God says his name. I am, Yahweh, I am. He is And then in Exodus 34, when Moses goes up on the mountain and and he says, Lord, show me your glory. And God goes past Moses, puts him behind the rock. He goes past Moses and he says, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's the extended name of the Lord. (laughs) Names are everything. In the name of Jesus. Trust in the name of Jesus. Look at verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him. Yet the world did not know Him. Verse 11. He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. Verse 12. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. This is about a person. This is about a he. Yahweh means he is. He is. Jesus is Yahweh. He is the he is. He is the I am. 
We have to believe, literally, verse 12, who believed in his name. That could be translated as who believed into his name, entrusting yourself to him, believing into. When we say, I believe in, I believe in Jesus, that can mean a lot of different things, can it? But if I say, I believe into Jesus, do you see the difference? I'm letting myself be absorbed by Jesus, to be embraced by Jesus. I'm entrusting my life to Him. And He says in verse 12, to all who did receive Him. Receive, it means to take unto yourself. The next time that word will be used in John, it's John 14, 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. John 1, we receive Jesus unto ourselves. John 14, Jesus receives us unto himself. It's union with Christ. We believe into Jesus, we receive Jesus into us. This is what John is talking about. Have you done this? Have you received Jesus? Like my gift I held out. How many of you, don't raise your hand, how many of you are thinking, I should run up there and grab that gift? Yeah. You snooze, you lose, right? <laughs> listen, listen. Listen, here's the, here's the great thing about Jesus. I, I had one gift, right? I held it out one time, one, one person could run up and grab it. Jesus is standing here this morning. You know, he's, he's like, remember on the Oprah show when she'd be like, everybody gets it. Everybody gets a copy of the book. Look under your chair. Do you remember that? That's what Jesus is saying. Everybody can have it. Everybody gets life. Everybody gets light. Everybody gets salvation if you will receive it. If you will believe into it and receive it unto yourself. Have you done that this morning? Do you know him? He came into his own, he came into the world. The world did not know him, verse 12, verse 10. Gonna get my clicker out. See if this will work. Number three, lesson three embrace your new nature and new status as God's children. Look at verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, here it comes. This is some of the greatest words ever penned. He gave the right to become children of God. Children of God. Verse 13. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We are made children of God as we believe and receive, believe into Christ, entrusting our life with Him. Jesus, I'm on your team, I'm on your side, and we receive Christ's gift of His own life. It's an exchange. It's an exchange. Jesus, take what I would make the center of my life, and you take that seat on the throne. I worship you. 
I follow you. I need you. I need you to save me. Without you, I would be, I would be lost in sin. I would be in rebellion against God, and I would be doomed to separation from God forever. I want what you're giving. I want what God the Father has sent. I want to believe and receive. And when we do that, not by our own power or our own strength, but in some sort of miraculous work that theologians are still trying to wrap their heads around, we call it salvation. That's what the church calls it. We are saved. We are gloriously saved, and we become the children of God. Not by biology, not by desire, and not by volition, but by the will of God. God wants to be your dad. God wants you. God loves you deeply. Look at how John says it in his letter. 1 John chapter 3. See if we can get there. Let's, let's go to 1 John 3. Here we go. See what kind, 1 John 3, 1 and 2. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. See, He's repeating the concept from John chap- John's Gospel, chapter 1. The world, they didn't know Him. Verse 2 Beloved, beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. Are these not some of the greatest words ever written? What kind of love the Father has given to us? Church, listen to me. Christian, listen to me. The great undertaking, the great task of the Christian life is to understand and trust completely that you are the children of God. That's your job as as a Christian. No, my job is to change the world. My job is to event. My job is to go. My job is to get. No. Your job is to embrace that you are God's child, that you're his kid, that he loves you. He loves you. He loves you so fully, so freely. All unhappiness, uneasiness, stress, disappointment, pride, inadequacy, all of the darkness in our hearts can be put to rest by being reminded of this simple truth that you are the child of God. If that's true, if that's the gift Jesus is handing out, if he's not a liar, Do you really have any reason to call him a liar this morning? Do you have any real reason to call him a lunatic this morning? If not, and what he's offering you is child of God, children of God, why would you not take that? 
That's, my, that's mind-boggling, isn't it? Well, I got I to gotta get cleaned up first. I got to get my life together first. Does it say that? It says believe and receive. Believe and receive. So, there, there are, were no other qualifications in those verses, were there? This will change two things about you. It changes your nature and it changes your status. It changes your nature and it changes your status. Your nature, you are children of God who are born of God. That's nature. That's nature. And it changes your status. You have the right to become children of God. That's status language. You have been given the right to become children of God. Let's talk about nature first. We have divine DNA, church. We have not been, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, we have not been just given bios life or suke life. We have been given Zoe life, God's own life, His own nature. We have a new nature. Paul will say, you are the new creation. You have something inside of you that is changing you, Christian. This is an objective reality based on your union with Christ. We aren't just called the children of God, 1 John. It is what we are. We are the children of God. Right now, not just someday, right now, you can and should live your life as a son or daughter of the King. No Christian should have to wrestle with their identity. No Christian should ever have to wonder if they're loved today. And no Christian should ever doubt if they can love today because you have the nature of God inside of you. He is pouring His love, His goodness, His fullness, His kindness, His peace, His joy. He's pouring all of that into your heart. It's in there. It's in there. Second, it's a change of status. John's language, we've been wrestling with John's language all week as pastors and elders. He gave the right to become children of God. That's status language. You, this is crazy. Listen to me. You have all the rights and privileges of Jesus. Okay, real quick theology break. Time out. Real quick theology break. Let's remember that Jesus has two natures, remember? Jesus is both divine and human. Everybody with me? Go like this, class, if you're kind of tracking with that a little bit. Okay, Jesus is divine and human. When we read these things in Scripture, we're not saying that we become divine. We don't become God like Jesus is God, but we become fully human like Jesus is fully human. So when I say you have all the rights and privileges of Jesus, 
I'm, what I mean is you have all the rights and privileges of human Jesus, the man Christ Jesus. You're the son who came back to the dad, and this older, in the story, in Luke's story, the older brother's like bitter. Remember that? You're going to give him a party? You're going to give him my clothes, my shoes, my ring, my cow? But listen, you got an older brother named Jesus Christ. And when you come to the Father, you know what he says? Look at my closet. <laughs> Pick. See my sandals? Choose. I got dozens of rings. Here, have the best one. You want a party? I'm the best party thrower ever. That's your big brother. You have a big brother who's never jealous of you, who's never saying, Father, I can't believe you're letting that guy back in. I can't believe you're letting her in. They wasted their life on prodigal living, Father. How dare you let Brady in? Do you know how dark he is? Yeah, I do. See, Jesus never says that, does he? He never makes that argument against you. Listen to me, Christian. You're never going to be more loved by God than you are right now. You're never going to be more his child or less his child. God can't love you any less than he already does. And listen to me. God can't love you any more than he already does. He loves you because he loves you. His love is as unmovable and unchanging as God himself you're going to change. You're going to move. Your behavior is going to fail. Your emotions are going to collapse. Your feelings are going are to rail against you. Your sense of identity is going to be misplaced. But God's heart, God's heart is a fortress. God's heart will never change. His love is a well that never runs dry. His love is a light that never gets snuffed out. Why? Because his love is not normal. It's not natural. 1 John 3, 1, what kind of love? See what kind of love. It literally says, where is that love from? That's what, that's what, that's what the language. Where in the world, what planet does this kind of love come from, John's saying? And the answer is, it's not natural love. It's not the love we share. This is love beyond God's love is a love that needs no reception and no reciprocation. It needs nothing in return. He just loves. He just loves because he is love. It's pure. It's unconditional. It's so pure, so unconditional that it could love the worst of his enemies. God's love for you, Christian, is a love that expects nothing but produces everything at the same time. The violent, radical love of God smashes your heart into a million pieces and then builds it back up. The love of the Father will always love you where you are, but He'll always love you enough to not leave you where you are. It's the love of a great dad. It's the love of an Abba. It's unshakable in every failure, but it settles for nothing less than your complete success. How do I know that? Because John says in 1 John 3, he says, we will be like him. We will be like him. God's love has a goal. 
God's love has a mission. God's love has a power to change us into Jesus, into the likeness of Jesus. Let me, let me, let me rephrase. I said that wrong. He, he's changing us into the likeness of Jesus. But listen, here's, here's, the, here's what's so beautiful about this. Here's what's so beautiful about the Christian faith. Do you know what God's not doing? He's not wiping us out and replacing us with Jesus. There, there's not going to be a million Jesuses running around heaven. There's going to be Brady running around heaven and Megan running around heaven. There's going to be Alex running around heaven. You're going to still be you. But you're going to think like Jesus and act like Jesus. But listen, here's my point. Here's my point. God wants you. God's in love with you. He's not in love with future you. He's in love with you. He's not in love with a a version of you that has all the same personality traits as the man Jesus Christ. He's in love with Brady Walcott. He can't wait to hang out with Brady Walcott. That's crazy. One day, when our glorious brother and Savior King returns, that's our advent, right? We wait for his arrival. And he looks on us with those eyes of perfect love. And we look, at, we look on his face. We're brought in. He receives us unto himself. And in that moment, we experience something we've never, ever experienced yet. Perfect acceptance. Perfect love. Perfect grace. All the fullness, all the glory of God. When we see him, when we lock eyes, we will be like him. We will see him as he is. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, come quickly. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. I, I hope that that's our prayer this morning, Jesus. Some might be sitting here thinking, no, not yet. Not yet, I still have stuff to do. As if we won't still be able to do stuff (laughs) when you come back. I still have goals, I still have a bucket list. As if we're not immortal. (laughs) As if we're not gonna live forever on a new earth with you. Jesus, come, come. We're so over the darkness. We're so over our sin, Father. Jesus, come, let us see your face. Let us feel your embrace. Take us in, receive us unto yourself. We are your children. Help us live. Help us live as the royal priests that we are with all the rights, all the privileges of Jesus, the right of access the right of inheritance. 
the right of being able to declare your word and bring your gospel, your peace as your ambassadors. God, for any here this morning that still haven't run up front and grabbed that gift, for any that haven't believed and received, Father, would you, would you show them today you're not a liar. You're not a trickster. You're not, you're not trying to make our lives worse. You're not trying to turn us into slaves. We're not prisoners of war. You're inviting us to be a son, a daughter. Open our hearts to that this morning. As we sing this song together, God, about the name of Jesus, may our hearts once again hold on to the name above all names. The name, the person that drives away all sin, fear, death, guilt, shame, and transforms us into your light. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.